This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the View from the Cop podcast. And unlike Jurgen Klopp, who has so far resisted the temptation to rotate his squad, we have freshened our lineup today. Alongside regulars Paul Philbin. Hello. Neil McDonald. Hello. We are delighted to welcome fellow Liverpool fan Kiva O'Neill, who you may well have heard on the Blood Red podcast in the past. Hello. Good to see you here. Right, so the Reds are heading into the international break, third in the Premier League, and level on points at the top with Chelsea and Manchester City. And despite the defeat to Napoli, they're still in a good position in the Champions League as well. But on the flip side, uh, Liverpool have failed to win any of their last four matches going into the break. So, so what are your thoughts you know, going into this uh, next two weeks? Well, I think it's been, obviously, they're coming off the back of a really tough spell. Um, and taken in the, in the hole, I think we've done really well. Uh, with the start we've had, which has been really difficult, you know, much more difficult than our uh, than our rivals and our main rivals has been. So, given that um, this not one in four, I mean, one of those is Chelsea in the League Cup, so I don't think that counts. We were really unlucky, despite not playing well, not to get a point in Napoli, um, and then Chelsea away, City at home you'd probably take points from them or certainly wouldn't be disappointed. I'm not disappointed by the results. So I think looking at the season in the whole, it, it's great. You know, I'm a big believer in the, the adage, um, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And considering that we are still, this season at least, going through the gears and, and yet to, you know, go flat out, whether that's by design or by the aftermath of the World Cup or whatever, um, I think it's been a top start and, and they're doing really well. Yeah, I'm, I've never been so happy for an international break though, because I just need a little bit of, a little bit of a fresh air, a little breather, sort of. Um, yeah, like when you look back at that run of games, you know, it was spoken of so much, like how this would sort of impact the rest of the season. Come May, we'd see what kind of impact this would have. I feel like we we done really well to sort of, you know, especially the game against Chelsea, Sturridge's like goal that felt like a win. And then the game against Man City was one of them. They missed a penalty late on, so that could have been a loss as well. So them two games, you sort of come away from them, the, the, them weird draws where they feel like wins. So that looking back on that whole sort of period of games, you sort of feel more positive. And it's it's bizarre to think, I know we obviously got beat in the League Cup, like you said, but it's bizarre to think that we, we got beat away at, at Napoli. It's obviously a difficult place to go. But looking back, you think maybe the defeat comes to City or Chelsea in the league, but it never. So, you know, we're on the same points as them. So we're in an absolutely great position now. We can just all have a nice little holiday, a nice little break. <laughs> and then we've got Huddersfield. So, you know, we should be picking up points there. And then that'll just start that next run of games. Paul, you said on a previous podcast, I think the last few from the Cop podcast, right. you called it, didn't you? You said you would take two points, a point against yeah. Chelsea and a point against City. That's how it's come to pass. Yeah, rather than the three points, just so they didn't... Um take three points away from us um, yeah as I said in that previous podcast I'd have been delighted with getting draws against both of them and then winning the rest of the games I think looking back at, in general like the start of the season I think Roberto Firmino's goal against PSG has been has proved to be massive because if we go to Naples with a draw against Paris and then get beat the way we did we'd be struggling in the Champions League group stage whereas now Games against Belgrade back to back, you're looking at them thinking six points, and then more or less you'd, that that should see us through, considering PSG and Napoli go head to head themselves. But with the league campaign, I'm delighted. It could, it, well, obviously, it could have got better, but in terms of the the results, we've been to 
Leicester, you never want to go there, really. Palace, Tottenham. And there's teams that who we see as rivals that will be going there in the likes of February, March and April. And they're the last kind of places that you want to be going because they are tough away fixtures. Just pick up on what Neil said earlier. Liverpool's style of play has changed a little bit this season. We don't know whether it is by design by Klopp. Maybe he's taking the players off the gas a little bit because of the run. Or do you think it's because of the run? You know, is is that actually gone over the last couple of weeks unnoticed? Just at the quality of the opposition. I'm not talking about Liverpool fans, but outside of Liverpool and Anfield, you know, that, that it, these kind of games will take it out of the players. I suppose time will tell in terms of whether it's by um, you know by accident or or design. I mean, if we go through the whole of the season playing the same way, then obviously it seems like a plan. Whereas if the you know the design that Klopp has is to sort of get through this early stage when players are still finding their feet again after the World Cup and then say, after Christmas, he just says, right, the, the brakes are off now, you know, we can go for it, like we did last season, then then that's a, you know, that's a that's a good thing. I mean, it's it's definitely a fact that the recruitment that we did in the summer has given us a, a far, far stronger defence than what we had um, last year and a defence that everyone clearly trusts in, like massively trusts in. So if that means we can play a diff one, a slightly different way, then that's no bad thing, I think, to have that in your in your arse. I mean, like anyone, I want to see Liverpool rip it up like they did last year and just absolutely destroy teams and, you know, really go for the throat. But um, if the change of emphasis means that we are now a more well-rounded team than we were before, then perhaps that's just, a, you know, how teams, how teams develop. But a team now more likely to hold on to a 1-0 win than we were before and that's like you say more well-rounded than just a great thing for us I feel like we're not like you look at Jurgen Klopp and all his teams of the past that's he sets up to press and that's sort of the counter press and that's where you get your goals from this season it isn't working entirely I don't think there's as much sort of they're not harassing as much in the press but Maybe it's sort of like it's more mature in a way. You know, we're not like just running around everywhere, wasting all the energy. We're sort of thinking, you know what, we've got a really good defence here. We've got an attack who haven't scored as many goals as we thought they would so far, but they will get them goals. Them goals will start coming. You've got the games like Huddersfield, Cardiff, um, the Red Star, Belgrade games in the Champions League. I think we'll, you know, if we get three, four nils on the bounce, then we'll just start flying from there. And I don't think it's much to worry about at all. It feels like a different Liverpool, what, like going one nil up. It feels like um, the Chelsea team of about oh four oh five, where once they took the lead, you knew it was game over. Early Mourinho kind well, of thing. Well, exactly. different managers, obviously. Yeah, different but, managers, yeah. different style of play, but it feels a lot different. And I think we're holding back a bit, but at the same time, when we don't, a Porto, it's a mad game to say that really, but a Porto away, I said to my brother after it even though going away in Europe and winning five nils like I feel like we're starting to see the end of the mad Liverpool that we've had under Jurgen Klopp um, even though we won five nil it wasn't like going all out attack it was just we played football and we scored five goals that day and apart from the the Roma games after that there wasn't there hasn't really been oh mad Liverpool what could be it could be any score it's been convincing victories and not worrying. The only time apart like, after January was really that Man City game where we were four one up and then <laughs> we could have drew four four in injury time. But 
it's definitely different Liverpool, and I think it is because of the defense. Like everyone trusts the defense, and Allison's um, design of Allison has proven massive, massive for us. And I think already he's won us a load of points. Just to add to that, if you look at, I don't know if you've read um, Raphael Honigstein's book about Klopp, Bring the Noise. It's a, it's an outstanding read, but it talks a lot about his time at Dortmund and how everyone thinks that like Klopp came in and suddenly Dortmund were amazing, but it took him three seasons to get um, his style of play and the plays he wanted and to develop it properly. So everyone, it just became something that everyone understood in terms of the, the style of play and the different facets of play rather than having to think about it and work on it. It just became second nature and perhaps that's what we're seeing now with this Liverpool team. You know, he's had time so that those players who've uh, who've been in the system now for long enough can take on what he wants and it, and it you know it's evolved into something new it could be that's what we're seeing now and hopefully it is because when that happened at Dortmund what happened next was, was big trophies so fingers crossed that's what's happening with Liverpool now Yeah it's probably a good point as well because we're all wondering when we're going to see Keita, Fabinho even Shaqiri who will come on to in a moment in time but probably Robinson's the great example from last season isn't it maybe Klopp doesn't throw these players in straight away because it does take time to, to learn this system. It's not just child's play, you know. Do you think there's no need for alarm when you see those players maybe not hitting the ground running, so to speak, yeah? Yeah, it happened with Oxlade-Chamberlain as well. He sort of waited and didn't didn't just throw him in straight away, got him sort of in training, got him up to the level of fitness and how we want to play, and I think that's what he's doing with Kater and Fabinho as well. Um, I don't think it's really a worry. I mean, we miss Oxlade-Chamberlain as well. That's a, a, big, a whole point in itself, but we can't really do nothing about that. Um yeah, I don't really think it's a worry with them too. I think they will feature, and as will Shakiri. They'll just kind of, he'll just keep rotating them. But at the same time, I do kind of want that permanent sort of fixture, and we haven't got that. And I feel like that's the position we're most struggling because we don't have like Oxley Chamberlain against Man City would have been the difference. I think some a more like attacking midfielder where we we haven't. I feel like we're more sort of defensive, and it's like it's weird to say that about Liverpool because we used to just be crazy and just everyone wants to attack but now it's more so <coughs> it's more more calm isn't it more more defensive minded so it's, it's not a bad thing but like we haven't I can't wait till we like batter the team because <laughs> we've only really had West Ham and Southampton but they're not they aren't with respect to them they aren't the very best teams in the Premier League and I just I can't wait for that day you know where we just have a good 5-0 or a good 3-0 against the really top side and then we've had good Good victories, of course, against Tottenham and the likes PSG. But yeah, I just can't. I can't wait for them days, and I hope they come soon. I think maybe you say about the Ox. Uh, we're not going to say the Ox. Forget I said that. Um, <laughs> you about, said it now. Yeah, Ox like Chamberlain. I feel like we've also missed Lallana because when he had his best run under Klopp, it was as part of the midfield three when that system was first introduced. And whether you, you know, you're fully behind him as a player, he definitely would change the balance. Um, you know, because he he would add more creativity um, to the midfield if he was fit as well. So, I mean, the only one we've got left in terms of midfielders who could potentially offer that is is Naby Keita. But as you say, he's still finding his way, still learning the league and the system. So that'll that'll come. But yeah, I, th- I think Lallana's been a miss yeah, as well definitely. in terms of the balance of the midfield. Do you agree with that, Paul? Do you think his reputation's almost become enhanced, you know, over these last couple of weeks? Because at the start of the season, he was probably almost like a forgotten man, wasn't he? I wouldn't say enhanced, but since Klopp's been at Liverpool, Lallana has been his go-to man, in, especially in the bigger games, and 
he knows Klopp's style inside out. It'll be interesting to see where he is in terms of sharpness. Like come next week when we play Huddersfield, I think that starting lineup in the midfield will be a massive indication of where he sees Fabinho and Keita because Milner's going to be out until November time. One of them will have to come in, or does he go to his trusted player in Lallana if he's sharp enough? It'll be interesting. I think that that lineup in what eight days time now will have we'll get an idea of where Klopp sees the two midfielders that he signed. Speaking of number tens, you know it's coming up for a topic of discussion again because of probably the caliber of the opposition in the last few weeks because better teams, the harder to break down. But Navi Keita. It's very early days with him, and we've seen flashes of real quality, the, the pass against West Ham, the, the, the turn against Palace and some of the other things he's done. But do you think he'll ever be that number 10? Do you, do you think he plays deeper? Yeah, I think he's quite... He's sort of like a... It's, it's a weird one because he's so all-rounded as a player, like what you've seen at him from... Was it Leipzig that he was at before? You know, I've seen like highlights of him there and he seemed to like be able to sort of just boss his way through the midfield. But at the same time, he wins the ball a lot and he, he has got a defensive mind as well. So he, he will sort of just sort of pivot around and do his work. But I don't think, I think he hasn't quite got up to sort of the speed of things just yet. But I hope that he will be that player. I think he's definitely got the qualities to be. With the number 10, you want goals. And if you look at Kate's record, he hasn't actually scored many goals in his short career that he's had so far and he's had a few chances so far um, in a Liverpool she had to think to the chance at Tottenham when when he would, it was easier to score than miss really when he was about six yards out I don't know if he has that composure to be a number 10 I think he is more of an all-round midfielder where he can pick the ball up and then start the attack from winning it's, in many ways, it's the form of when Alden kind of probably gave Klopp a bit of a problem. Was he, Again, he's probably one of those players at the start of the season that you probably didn't expect to be one of the first names on the team sheet. But that's what he is at the moment, Neil, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think he's, I don't know if it's a problem. I think he's probably made up that he's playing so well because, you know, Milner started the season really well as well. So those two really um, set the tone in the first few games because um, the other midfielders are either injured or still finding the feet. You know, Henderson's gradually coming back and the other two are, uh, are totally new to the um, to the club. And, and he, he had a little look at Shakiri as one of the midfield three, but he, he seemingly didn't really like that, uh, at least not for now. Um, so I think it's been a good thing that he's performing. It's been a surprising thing. I never would have thought... Uh, I mean, I, just, I wrote a piece this week and I'm looking forward to next week because that's when the new... Football manager comes out and when Alden's normally one of the players I look to sell first out, him and Moreno are like first out the door. But um, I, I think he's really proven, you know, he's, he's really shown a lot of people what he can, um, what he can do. And it's been good to see because he's always been, for me, he's, he's one of those kind of in between footballers. You're not quite sure. Is he, he's not like a traditional midfielder, but then he's not like, he's not a number 10. And so is he like an attacking midfielder, but now he's playing deeper and he, could be that he sort of looked into the best position for him in the in the midfield at the moment. I, 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 go on, sorry. No, I was just going to say I really love Ginny Wijnaldum. Like what he does, I think he had a brilliant game against Man City and he's had a great season. I think before Holland went on the last international break, he had a poor performance and I can't think of who we played just before that. It was, Tottenham, was, was it, it Tottenham? Tottenham? I think it might have been that game and I thought, oh, I don't know. But like you say, he's, he's one of them players you think... 
he gets into so many good positions as well going forward and his, his, his shooting accuracy isn't as good as he'd probably like it to be. And we do need goals from the midfield and from just the sort of the rest of the squad. If, if we're not firing, you know, the front three aren't firing, we need, we need goals from everywhere else. But I think his, his winning the ball back and his possession is really good. Like his passing accuracy is brilliant. And he's the first name on the team sheet for me. I think he's absolutely been, oh, yeah, he's been outstanding. I've just loved watching him. And against Man City, we struggled. Henderson had a really good game, but we did struggle for that, like, composure and that, you know, and I feel like he brought a little bit of that. But, you know, we'll we'll get there, I think. In a previous podcast, uh, I think it was at the start of the season, we were talking about Wijnaldum and um, Dan made the point about him. In his first season, his numbers were quite good and then the second season... Well, he only scored one goal last season, I think. And um, that he was a bit of a player where you go to at home. And this season, that's been kind of put to bed. Um, because apart from the Tottenham performance, the game's away from home. He's been our best midfielder each time, I think. And he's obviously broke his duck scoring away from home in the Premier League. So what the worries were about Wijnaldum early on this season have been put to bed, which is... Only a good thing for Liverpool and Klopp. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So if everyone stays fit over the international break, come to Huddersfield the week on Saturday, or on Saturday, I should say, when this podcast probably goes out, who are your midfield three? It's hard to want to change it, isn't it? But I think I probably have Wijnaldum... It's always, for me, it's like Milner or Henderson. I don't really always like them playing together. I've said this before, but I don't know. Probably I'd go with Henderson um, and then just throw Kiter in just because I want to see more of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd be the same. I think they'd be my three. Um, I think it's funny you mention about Milner. This week we've been in work, we've been doing stuff around the player ratings for the season so far. Uh, and I put together a graph so you could see how they went. And for Milner... He started the season like a house on fire, but the last few games, his ratings for the that the team give him here have gone down and have been around the sort of five out of ten as opposed to the seven or eight. So perhaps that shows. I mean, he he's had a, a hard start to the season in terms of what he's had, the amount of time he's had to play, which has eventually led to him, perhaps led to him being injured. So, um, yeah, I, I think if he's out, then that would be my three um, as well, I think. Fabinho, Kaito, Wijnaldum for me. So I wouldn't have Henderson in the side. Um, you know how I feel about Jordan Henderson, but <laughs> I think um, I think Huddersfield's a perfect a perfect game to throw both of them in, really, because it's not as if even though they're at home, it's not as if they're going to come out and attack us. We're going to get a lot of the ball, and it's a great chance for um, Kaita to uh, get on the ball, show what he's about, and then with Fabinho, like. If you don't throw him in a Huddersfield, when do you throw him in? Really, is the is the question. So, and it won't be a testing game where you'll have to keep an eye on whoever's like sitting in the uh, in the hole for Huddersfield. He should just like cruise through the game really and get get up to speed with the Premier League in that way. So, I'd go with those three. Interestingly, none of you said Shakiri. Are we kind of ruling him out being like that in most advanced midfield, or do you think Klopp just sees him as one of the front three? I think he knows what he's come here to do. He's a bit of a super sub, isn't he? He's going to just rotate in and out, and yeah, I don't, I don't think he'll he'll be starting a lot of games, but he, he'll be there when we need him. Even though I, when against Southampton, Shakiri played well, but we were conceding a lot of chances, and that was because of him in the midfield. We were we were basically man light because. He's not one who can 
put the defensive graft in where as a Wijnaldum more one of the other midfielders could. I think that's why Klopp brought him off yeah. at half time because of that. I mean, he, he had such a good impact, but I think he's like a bit of a spitfire. He'll sort of yeah. just give you little bursts of things. And then Klopp was like, right, he's was it the free kick? And then Salah scored and mm. then he, his goal sort of went in for a known goal. So yeah. he'd like, yeah, he'd had a great impact, bring him off now and get shored up a bit more defensively. I think he'd be, if he, if he comes in, it'd be because they've taken out one of the top three. You know, they want to give one of those a, a break um, to put him in, at least for now. I mean, it could be after Christmas, maybe we will see him. For all we know, you know, Klopp and Pep Linders and that are working really hard with him to get him to develop the sides of his game that they feel he's he's lacking in. Um, you know, so he can play a bit of a deeper role for us in, in Klopp's system. But no, I, I think he'd be in for the um, for the top three. Again, I think if, he, if they brought him in... Um, at Huddersfield, I won't be surprised. Same goes for Danny Sturridge. I think, you know, you could easily see him if the others are all off around the world. Sturridge has just been working on his Instagram game. So, um, <laughs> I'd, I'd defo have, um, you might even see both of them um, up top and then someone else, um, you know, someone else, one of the established front three in there with them. I think the most interesting thing, just to add on Chiquiri, is he played more minutes for Stoke last year in the Premier League than any Liverpool player played for Liverpool. So that's really interesting. Like, I don't think he'd be so happy not not having these minutes. He's a player who can play the full, you know, every game. But again, he did get relegated with Stoke. So then moments of magic, Klopp's going to try and squeeze out of him in little little sort of moments, you know, like bringing him on late as a sub and stuff like that. He's made a difference, hasn't he, when he's yeah. come on, I yeah. think. Yeah, you know, he's, he's, do you think he's been a bit hard done by that? He's not a, a few more minutes. Because he has made an impact, hasn't he? Klopp's quite, he does leave making a substitute till quite late, which I it annoys me sometimes. I'm like 60 minutes looking like, come on, get someone more, like who, who's coming on? But he will leave it, Klopp. I think he doesn't want to sort of mess with it sometimes. And it, yeah, so that's probably why he hasn't had as many. It's like the complete opposite to Rafa. You could tell, you could <laughs> say exactly what minute Benitez was going to make his subs. I, I agree that Klopp sometimes does leave his... Uh, Substitutions late. I think um, if he would have got beat by Chelsea, I think he would have took a gamble on Shakiri and brought him on at, at, against City because I don't think he come on. Did he didn't get a game? No, he was, he was on the verge of coming on, wasn't he? And then when um, when it was the penalty, and as soon as the penalty was missed, he turned round and he sort of pushed, like pointed, didn't he? Yeah, Far shouted at him to go and sit down <laughs> yeah, again. So. He's like, so if he'd have needed the three points to, like, I think he would have got more of a chance. I think it's. Just, game management really and I think Klopp got a spot on there Do you think given the runner games that are coming up now I think it's Huddersfield Red Star Cardiff Arsenal Red Star and Fulham before the next international break we actually, we'll actually see more rotation now because at the end of the day you're taking on Napoli you're taking on City you're taking on Chelsea in the league you want your big guns playing don't you You know, at the end of the day Salah, Firmino and, and Mane may not be hitting those same heights but you still want them on the pitch don't you but do you think now we'll actually see Klopp rotate his squad for me, it's a weird one because I think you will, but at the same time, you really, really want to see that front three click. And we've got games now where you think, oh, this this could be it. These could get fired in it. Uh, Salamane and Firmino. So it's a bit of a strange one. Maybe you'd look to use the likes of him and Sturridge against Belgrade at Anfield because you don't, you can't. You look at the result they got in Paris 6 1, and you think they're not going to. They're not going to travel well. It should be a convincing night, and using the likes of them should be enough to get the three points. So, in the league, I wouldn't 
plan on using them. I'll go as strong as we could. But with with the games in the against Belgrade coming up, I think we'll see them in those type of games. I'd I'd mix it up myself. I think the time you can see why he hasn't up to this point, but I think from now the time is to to pick and choose your battles. So yeah, I'd I'd defo start bringing them in and changing things um, round, if only to make it less less of a thing when he eventually does start, because it's almost like he's keeping the front three because he's waiting for them to click. And as soon as they click, he'll say, right, now I can, you know, I can rotate. And I thought the last game against City, while they weren't the best, there were signs, I thought, that Salah was starting to look as sharp as he uh, as he had. So it could be that we're on the um, on the verge of that. But yeah, I'd, I'd totally start um, turning it around because we'll, as we showed last year, you know, we, we all saw the benefit of that in the second half of the season as opposed to the, the season before. I think that ties in as well to how um, I think in the past couple of games when Klopp's made substitutions, I think he made like Salah, Mane, Firmino. He hasn't always gone, Salah's under fire and I'm going to bring him off straight away just so it went, because then Salah would be like, I am under fire, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he's kind of gone, right, I'll bring Salah off this game first and then I'll bring Firmino off. He hasn't always gone, right, Salah's off, Salah's off or Firmino's off. So that that's a good thing on his behalf because he knows as well that, you know, the world-class players, they're going to start scoring goals eventually in this run they will. I think Klopp will be as well happy that we've sort of rode the wave of them mad games. They were like highly competitive and now, you know, each each game we've got to win. And these ones are sort of the almost the tricky ones because you've sort of won them already in your head. You're like Huddersfield, Fulham, you know, we're, we're going to win these, Cardiff. These are the games where you can slip up. So, you know, I think he'll, he'll definitely want to not do that. As you said, Kiva, the, the bar is so high that you feel that even if you draw... And City win. It's almost it's so difficult to get those points, um, those points back. So I think they've all got an ad this season because we started so well and we're neck and neck. Now they've all got, even though they should be theoretically be easier, they've all got an extra level of difficulty just because of the, the the pressure and the the feeling that this we're in with a, a real chance this year, a real chance because of the way we bought and the way the teams come together and the, the potential we've still got to, to realise. So it, it must bring, um, you know, an added level of, you know, of difficulty. I mean, if you're professional, you do your job, we'll win. We're better than them, you know, and if they try to defend, we're better at attacking. So we're, we're better than the teams we're playing all around. Arsenal might be tricky because it looks like they've found the feet now under Unai Emery, whereas when... For instance, when City played them at the start of the season, they didn't look like a team at all. But again, they've not played anyone like us, really. Uh, yeah, they beat Fulham, and Fulham aren't the best side nah, of all respect nah. to them. So Arsenal kind of come into a high, and they might have a few more good results because they got beat in the first two games, which was kind of expected. I think it was City and Chelsea, was it? So you kind of like, you know, and then they've won pretty much on the pounce then, haven't they? But we'll, we'll bring them back down to wherever think. Yeah, to, to just, it was an interesting point what you were saying there, but the bar's been set so so high. City did have done that, and Guardiola's done that in the past, hasn't he, with his uh, his Bayern Munich and his Barcelona teams as well. But did you think on Sunday that Guardiola understood that as well? Because he changed, didn't he? You know, it was almost like that result. It's only one game out of 38 in the season, but it looked like he was more desperate not to lose that. You know, knowing that even two points dropped to a arrival of three points, you should say, could be crucial. Oh, definitely. I, I, I thought, to be honest with you, I thought when 
Guardiola's going to come to Anfield like that when we played him in Europe, and he just didn't, and we blew him away. I think he he's learned that, and with the fixtures that City have got coming up, they've got a they've got a run similar to what we've had recently. They've got Tottenham. I think they've got the other few. United, United's coming up, isn't it? Chelsea is as well. I think they've got to go to West Ham. Um, so I think he's probably looking at a long game going, we just can't afford to get beat here. And I think Klopp would have actually done the same. I don't think Klopp, even though he wouldn't admit it, I don't, I, he wouldn't have played for the draw, but I think he did. And looking at the run of fixtures now, I'll be honest, I think we'll get the maximum points out of all five in the league. Um only because Arsenal look good, but it's the same Arsenal, isn't it, really? They, they, they beat the teams you'd expect them to beat, and then they'll get beat by the teams you expect them to lose against. And I can um, I can see who's picking up the maximum points. And so far, I'm going to say, my predictions in on this podcast have been quite good. Um, first, before the first international break, I said we, we'd be on maximum points without conceding a goal, apart from Alisson's mistake. I was right. And then the the draws against the um, City and Chelsea are predicted, so I'm going for three in a row. I'm going for maximum points. Sure, all Reds will take that. You, you, you've kind of dismissed Arsenal there. You both in agree, Kiva and Neil, that <clears> they're <throat> probably not going to last the pace. Arsenal, despite winning nine on the run, it's just difficult to see to know what to expect. Really, <clears throat> I mean, they they always every season for the past few, they've always just fell away, haven't they? After Christmas, and they could well do the same. I mean, he's he's bought well, and he seems like he's dressed. The issues that the team had in terms, he's added some steel in midfield, there's decent defenders, but I, I just can't see them maintaining it. And I, I don't think they're a serious, a serious enough team yet. I think they're still finding the feet, and also Unai Emery has still got to manage in the same way that Klopp found and to a degree Guardiola in his first season through the Christmas period. You know, the game's thick and fast, the effect that has on the team. So I, I no, I, I can't see them lasting. Yeah, I think they were always going to get better after the first the two opening defeats. You'd expect that from Arsenal. They always, they always sort of just get through the season. They never really, they haven't been lighting it up have they, the past few seasons. So you'd expect them to, to you know, be there for fourth or fifth or whatever. But they're not going to challenge for the Premier League title. And I think as well, I know Hazard's absolutely on fire, but I think Chelsea will fall away as well. I think that they have that look of the the new manager coming in. And they sort of run with it, don't they, Chelsea? They, they love a new manager to sort of get them <laughs> to for the, the good league campaign. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think they will fall away, and hopefully it'll be hopefully City will fall away as well. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're talking about new managers there in Emery and, and Sarri at Chelsea, but Klopp's obviously not a new manager. In fact, this week he celebrated his third year anniversary, which I'm sure you are all very much aware of. And you've heard on our other podcast, we've been talking about best moments, best signings, and guys, if you if you want to talk about that. Great, but I just thought we'd try and do something a bit different here. And I, I was looking at the players who he inherited when he came in at October 2005, the senior players that are remaining. I'll, I'll reel off the names here. You've got Mignolet and Bogdan, the goalies. You've got Klein, Lovren, Gomez, Moreno, the defenders. Milner, Henderson, Lalana, midfielders. And Firmino, Sturridge and Origi. Out of those players, who do you think are the ones that he's actually enhanced? He's obviously brought real quality into the club with people like Van Dijk and Robinson and Alisson and Salah and Mane. But who who are the players you think he's enhanced and improved? The obvious ones for me, you know. Um, when, he, when he signed for Liverpool, um, Rodgers was using him out wide. And I don't know, watching him, he just looked like... I, I don't know how to explain it. Similar to how Ronaldo looked when he first came to England, like... He didn't look like he was 
in the right shape and he, he was struggling and then Klopp transformed him. He found a sharp. It was after he broke his back, did he, against um, to Carlisle in the League Cup and then once Klopp come in, used him as a number nine. That, like, that worked well. I can remember that game, Chelsea away um, at Stamford Bridge and I can remember seeing the lineup and going, why is he playing Firmino up top? And then you realise why he'd done that and he obviously knew him from his time in Germany, so Firmino was the uh, the standout one. And even Lovren, he, a lot of people don't like Dejan Lovren for some reason. He, he's a good defender, and the level that he has performed at consistently, really since Klopp came under, apart from your game here and there, has been at a, a good level. And apart from Gomez's amazing start to the season, you'd have him as number one with Van Dijk but yeah and obviously he's improved Gomez a lot the others um, not so much I think uh, Jürgen Klopp has an effect on different players at different times and he'll obviously coach them as well into a different kind of player but I think Lallana was probably the first player that he had that effect on Lallana needed Jürgen Klopp's type of you know that type of manager to sort of bring the best out on him, and I think it did. Same sort of goes with Jordan Henderson. He's a player who could have almost left Liverpool, but he sort of, like, he came into himself and became sort of the captain under Jurgen Klopp. I know people have mixed opinions about Jordan Henderson, but I think he he probably leaves under another manager. I don't know if, if he sticks around or what happens to him, but I think he's had he has a good effect on us being a squad and... The players, even like Moreno, who you think he's going every sort of transfer window opens, you're thinking Moreno's definitely going to go. But he just sort of seems to keep him around and sort of keeps giving him a little go. And then I think now he's sort of just sticking around because he's a bit of fun, isn't he? I think he keeps everyone happy. <laughs> you and, need those players yeah, in the yeah. dressing room. Great old full season. <laughs> Good tattoos. And, yeah. <laughs> well, not, yeah. I, I, um, I can't believe neither of you has mentioned Bogdan. We will leave that for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think they've got it spot on in, in terms of the players they've improved. And even the ones who perhaps haven't improved, the thing you can say, possibly except for Klein with his injuries, they've been given plenty of plenty of chances. You know, they've Origi had you know he had a real strong look at him, and it looked like it was working until he got injured, and he's never been able to get back to that. Um, but you know the the other players who, who were the you know Minule had more than enough time to become the number one that Klopp and wasn't able to uh, wasn't able to do it. So they, they've all had the chances, I think. And I think we'll wrap it up there because I think the Sky TV fixtures are coming out as we're recording this and Philbo's looking at his phone ready to book his flight <laughs> to Southampton and Bournemouth. We don't want to miss that. So just thank Paul, Neil, Kiva. Thank you very much for coming in. And uh, if you, you like this podcast and any of the podcasts we do on the uh, Under the Blood Red channel, please rate, review and subscribe. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.